Today is a word from the Lord this morning. Let us pray. O most gracious and all wise God, we come this morning, O God, truly with a heart full of thanks, understanding, O God, that it is you who have kept us from all hurt, harm, and danger. It is you who have kept us in our right mind. It is you that has provided us the ability to continue to have good health and good strength. And Father, we thank you um, that the preaching moment has arrived and that you have a servant available to declare your word before your people. Father, it is all about you. You said in your word that we are to lift your son and that if we lift him, that he would do the drawing of men to come to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And so, Father, uh, just allow me to decrease and you increase and hide me behind the cross and that my words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, my O Lord, my strength and redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be coming out of John, the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35. So now... I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. Your love for one another will prove to your community, to the members of your workplace, to the folks you encounter on the street, your love for another will prove that you are a follower, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ by your ability to love another person. I still don't know how I got here to Crossroads. Only God knows. But can I tell you, I'm so glad I'm here. I, I am glad to have come to know you and to love you and to feel that love back. Uh, you are a most generous people and a loving people. And as I thought, as, as I was thinking about this message and bringing it forward, um, at my former church on one Sunday morning, um, a group of white folk came in this all African-American church. Uh, and, I, and I know it was Kurt and a few other members who had come in. Um, and it was, Sunday school was ending, service hadn't started yet, and I was up uh, in the front of the church uh, summarizing the Sunday school lesson. Um, and Kurt approached me after uh, the service and asked me if I would come into fellowship and to bring the word. And at that time, I had not acknowledged my call uh, as a preacher. And I said, well, let me run it by the pastor, make sure it's okay. Uh, and so I went to the pastor and I said, you know, you, the white people who were in service today? Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, where they come from? I don't know where they came from. Um, but they've asked us to come down and to share uh, in the ministry. He said, well, what do they want? 
I said, I don't know. So he said, well, you go. You, you go and handle it. So I came down, and, and I went back, and I reported. I said, I think they want a relationship. I think they want a fellowship. And he looked at me in the most honest way and said, well, you, you handle it. <laughs> and, and, and so I started coming to Crossroads, and uh, I started coming more and more, and, and the folk were requesting for me to come. And then as uh, I started coming and preaching more and being more involved, I began to hear the whispers. Why is he here? What's he want? I think they're trying to force stuff down our throats. And, and so Jesus says in the text, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love each other. And he says, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Jesus knew that relationships are our most valuable assets that we have, but yet uh, at times they become the most difficult to manage. And so Jesus teaches this lesson to his disciples. And he, he is telling the community of faith that in order to be identified as a follower of mine, it is necessary and a responsibility to love one another. That's what he said in the text. But he didn't leave it there. He says, how you love a brother or a sister will be the way that the world can identify you to whom you belong to and whom you serve. Are you with me? And so Jesus has done something extraordinary. He has distinguished a group of believers, a group of people, a group of followers. He has distinguished them and call them out, and the way that you will identify them is merely by the way they love. Love one another. So he has this group of people who have distinguished themselves and have this distinguishing mark on how they love a brother and sister in Christ. We're reminded in the Scriptures, in other places, in 1 John 4 and 21, where it says, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. In giving this commandment, Jesus did something that the world had never seen before by creating a group of people identified by one thing, love. There are many groups in the world and they identify themselves in any numbers of ways by the color of their skin, by their uniforms, by shared interests, by alma mater, and on and on. There are some groups who identify through tattoos and piercings, others are stained for meat, and other groups wear fezzes. There are many ways in which people categorize themselves and they are endless. But the church has a unique way of identifying themselves in their love for one another. 
For the first and the only time in history, a group has been identified and the factor in which they become identified is love. It's not skin color. It doesn't matter. Not native love, a native tongue doesn't matter. Rules of diet and uniform and wearing funny hats don't matter. It isn't the size of the cross on your neck or the Bible under your arm or despite what the license plates say on the front of your car. The followers in Jesus Christ will be identified for the love that they have for each other. And the early church demonstrated this type of love that we're talking about this morning because the people in Jerusalem, there were people in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And they had come together because they were saved and they immediately began to meet the needs of each other. And so here it is, this group of believers had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. And all of these believers began to meet in one place and they began to share everything they had. They shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. They met in their homes and they shared the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals together with great joy and generosity. And all while they were praising God, they were enjoying the goodwill of the people. And the Lord began to do something very extraordinary uh, to this fellowship, this body, this group of believers. The Lord started adding people to their fellowship. I want to be clear this morning, Crossroads. I'm not talking about starting a cult and a communion. What this scripture story tells us is that this was love in action. And you better believe that when the people began to see love in action, that it made an impression on the people who lived in the city. And so when we think about Jesus' call to love, it should raise a few questions in our mind. And the first one it should raise is, well, how did Jesus love? He loved unconditionally, we find in Romans chapter 5. But God showed his great love toward us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners unconditionally. He loved sacrificially in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be offered for our sins so that we might be made right with God through Christ. Jesus loved with forgiveness. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. His love is throughout all eternity. He loves eternally. For I am convinced that there is nothing that could ever separate us from the love of God, no power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. And so the second question that ought to raise in our mind is how is it that we as believers can love like Christ loved? The believer has the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God, and you don't belong to yourself for you were brought with a high price. By obeying the scriptures through the words, we the believer can love as Christ does. 
He showed us that it is possible to have unconditional, sacrificial, forgiving love. It's possible for us, the believers. And there was a man who walked the earth who had the ability to love with an extraordinary love. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man of great love. He led the civil rights movement and fought for racial equality, and yet, still lingering, the vestiges of America's past racism remains a serious challenge to our hope for a nation to live out its most cherished values, liberty and justice for all. Continued incidences of racial tensions remain, remind us that hatred and animosity still festers. Suspicion seems to lurk under the surface of many of our interactions. The news events repeatedly remind us of this tenuous and fragile nature of racial harmony in America. We seem to be living under this uneasy truth. And so Dr. King, it has been decades since his March on Washington and his famous I Had a Dream speech. But yet none of us can say that we have fully lived up to Dr. King's vision for a land where each person would be judged by the character, the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Tensions continue and regularly we hear of yet another incident where somewhere in our country, race and sexual orientation is a present and a precipitating factor in acts of violence. Sure, things are different today than they have been in the past, but yet the question remains, why is it so difficult for us to embrace and constantly live out King's dream where we would all dine at the table of brotherhood? What has become of King's dreams and Jesus' instructions for us to love one another? In the wake of the civil rights movement in which Dr. King was so dramatically used came a flood of social programs to, sort to uh, address the cause of racism. Cultural education was developed. Cross-cultural dialogue had started and much of the multiculturalism that, that we go through today harking all back to the civil rights movement. But yet in the pursuits of rights of various groups like LGBT and immigrants now fall under the civil rights umbrella. One thing is clear that often what one calls right, another group calls wrong, rather than resolving our differences. Tolerance is seen as an appropriate response for this varying perspective that have emerged, but yet tolerance has no cohesion or healing power. It's little more than leaving one another alone. It leads to indifference, not understanding. Tolerance allows a gulf to remain between us in place and in fact, there is, little very, there is very little in the concept of tolerance that would pull us out of our racial isolation and separatism. A moral realism suggests that there are no absolute ways to be held accountable. Such things are far from the thinking of Jesus and King. In his works, Dr. King speaks not in terms of tolerance, but the ideal of love. He says this. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Yet in this current discussion of race relations, gender, and sexual orientation differences, the word love is seldom used. Dr. King insisted that the dominant and critical criteria that must be available to overcome these problems and these tensions in our community, they must be overcome by biblical love, 
That's an unconditional love, an unselfish love, a love that seeks the absolute good of another party. This kind of love is a tough love. It's one that confronts wrong with injustice and with truth. The absolute, the truth, which is decreed by an almighty, all-powerful God that allows an individual to love their enemy. As considering giving life to this old dream of Jesus and King, we need to acknowledge that the Bible and Dr. King tell us the truth. The dream begins with God. And without God, there is no absolute transcended truth in which to make a call for justice. Nor is there any other source in which we can draw strength to love of which we've been speaking about. Listen, church, I understand that there are certain degrees of skepticism about this perspective is understandable because too often those who claim to be Christians have failed to live in keeping with the teachings of the scriptures. They have frequently failed in the matter of love, race, and acceptance. It is clear from the Bible and that the church ought to provide spiritual and moral leadership in our society. But even in this current era, the church in many parts have been passive and even regressive in the matter of love, race, and acceptance. They speak to those issues of the day with fragmented voices. And at times we may feel that we don't need to love one another, but on the day when storms of disappointment rage, and the winds of disaster and the tidal waves of grief began to beat against our lives. If we do not have a deep and abiding love for one another, our emotional lives will be ripped to shreds. There is so much frustration in the world because we have relied on gods rather than God. We have genuflected to the God of science only to find that it has given us the atomic bomb that produces fear and anxiety that science can never admit. We have worshiped between, before the gods of pleasure to only understand that the, to discover that the thrills played out in sensuousness are short-lived. We have bowed before the God of money only to find out that there are things like love and friendship that money can't buy. And with a world full of its possibilities of depression, stock market crash, bad business investment, money is a rather uncertainty deity. These transitory gods are not able to bring happiness to the human heart. Only God is able to do that. Are you discouraged about the perspective of us never overcoming racial, sexual orientation, divisiveness that permeates this nation? Are you frustrated like I am in the inability to genuinely love another person who is different from you? The transformation of America fell short. But listen, church, we can build a new America, a better America. We can move the world. Don't you want to see a more loving and a more caring America? Don't you want to see a less divisive and a more inclusive America? Listen, church, then we must all fight the same enemy. The enemy is not the blue uniform. The enemy is not the person who holds the highest office in the land. The enemy is not our common humanity. The enemy are not those individuals who live on the edge of society. 
The enemy are those things that keep us separated from one another. The enemy is poverty. The enemy is homelessness. The enemy is mental illness. The enemy is an unfair incarceration system and those who will misuse their power. It is up to the faith community in Jesus Christ to possess the power to declare a new dream, a dream that exceeds even Dr. King's vision for our country. It is up to us to unequivocally say enough is enough. The status quo of the past is no longer acceptable. It is our voice that can mandate this change. When we begin to love like Jesus loved and say with one voice that injustice everywhere is injustice anywhere, when we ponder this change, in spite of this serious mandates, we can always remember the words of King, hatred paralyzes life, love releases it. Hatred confuses life, love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life, love illuminates it. Christ's love is on display through the believer, the generated believer in Jesus Christ. We don't love like the world do by our flesh, which can be selfish, egotistical, and unforgiving and insincere. The Bible gives a wonderful description of what the Christ looks like in the life of a believer who walked by the Spirit is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Here's what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, not, it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoice when truth wins out. Listen, love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. But in order to love like that, we must have a heart change. Second Peter 1 and 4 says this, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable us to share in his divine nature and to escape the corruptions of the world caused by human desire. With this new life in Christ, we know God. We know God genuinely loved us. And we have that capacity to love within us. Christ loved us. Now we, the believer, must love each other with an unconditional, sacrificing, forgiving, and eternal love that comes from a holy God. To love one another is to fellowship with one another. To love one another is to love somebody who's different from you. Those who love Christ have the Holy Spirit power in you that when you begin to love and to share with somebody else who is different from you, you show the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Dr. King says it this way, make a career of humanity 
Commit yourself to the noble struggle for equal rights, and you will make a greater person of yourself, a greater nation of your country, and you will in a greater world to live in. Can I tell you, church, there is both power and possibility in living out what the scriptures have called us to do. We underestimate our power. We, underment, we underestimate all that God has seeded in us to do. And the band can come. But there is no way that we could ever love like that if we don't have Jesus in our hearts. And so if there's someone out there this morning that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the doors of the church have opened. We are extending an invitation for you to come and to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Please come. God loved us so much that when we were in our sins, we were filthy, disgusting pieces of rags. And God said, let me put on human flesh let me come down 42 generations of humanity and be born in the form of a man through a virgin named Mary. And the moment he came, the world hated him. They tried to kill him. And all he was trying to do was love. They hated him so much they took him on top of a hill called Golgotha. Hung him on an old rugged cross. They stretched him wide. And those arms were open to receive us throughout all eternity. And even though he died on that day, he didn't stay dead. He was raised on the third and the port of morning. And he said, for those of you who have accepted me and loved me, I'm not going to leave you without hope. I'm going to leave and make myself available to live in your human hearts. Can you imagine? He left his ability to love inside of us. Isn't that good news? I don't have to hate you because you look different than me. I don't have to hate you because you got more hair than I do. It used to be something I struggled with. But now I don't have to. Because I've had a hard change. So if you don't know him and you want to know that kind of love, yeah, you can do it from right where you are. Absolutely. But there's something coming. There's something said about coming before men and declaring that love. 
There's something to be said to say to the world, Hallelujah, I've come on the Lord's side. He's living in my heart. He's changed my life forever. And I want the world to know that I'm no longer the same. You used to know me by the way I hated you. But now, you don't get a chance to know me how I love you. Because I forgive what you did to me. I didn't have that in my own power. That was provided by higher power. That's why we can come together, Angie. Because of his love for us. Who wouldn't want that? So as the band sings, accept him today.